This is the Emergency Medical Minute. The Emergency Medical Minute is excited to announce that we are now offering AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits via online course modules. To access these and for more information, visit our website at www.emergencymedicalminute.com backslash CME-courses or simply click on the link in our show notes and create an account. All right. Good morning and welcome to your Medical Minute. A warning to the editors here. I'm not sure we have a lot of great content for today, but anyway, welcome to your Medical Minute. So yesterday we had a patient. He was older. He had, uh, but was noted to have very unusual uh, kind of leg positioning by uh, by caregivers, and uh, his his leg was kind of crossed. His let's see, yeah, it was his right leg. His right leg was kind of crossed like uh, so underneath uh, his other leg, and he remained in that apparent position of comfort. And so when we did an X-ray, uh, we found the following. Some of you were here yesterday, so there are at least three things wrong with this picture. Can anyone identify? what those three things are. If you go first, you grab the easy one. So the hip is dislocated, right? The hip is dislocated. And then, right, you said it's turned, right? It's turned at least 180 degrees. So this is the, uh, this is the right hip, uh, but it looks like the left hip yeah. in its position, right? And then the last thing is, how many parts are there to uh, generally a hip replacement? Usually two. Yeah, so there's essentially the ball and cup. If we're just going to use layman's terms, we've got the ball and the cup, right? We've got the cup, which is the acetabular component, which gets cemented into the pelvis. Uh, and then you've got the ball, which is essentially attached to a, a rod. Now, orthopedists will tell me that that's actually not the case because I think they actually screw the humeral component onto the end. So there are multiple pieces, but we'll just say ball and cup. Uh, so generally you would expect that acetabular cup to remain cemented to the pelvis and yet it has not, it has migrated together uh, with that. So dislocated, rotated, and then you've got both components that have popped out, um, which is very unusual. So we, without much hope in our hearts, sedated the patient and attempted a reduction. And how did we do? Uh, not so hot. So we rotated it about 90 degrees to a position that at least made us feel more comfortable, uh, but did not probably make the patient feel any more comfortable, uh, very unfortunately. And this was, you know, very difficult. Usually uh, with adequate sedation, we're, we're able to reduce just about any hip. So we do see prosthetic hip dislocations from time to time. We almost never see native hip dislocations. Patients get fractures, they get pelvic fractures, acetabular fractures, they fracture the femoral neck or the trochanter. But it is exceedingly rare for patients to get native hip dislocations. But it's actually fairly common for patients to get prosthetic hip dislocations. And what's usually the mechanism? Is it fall, car accident? Yeah, it's literally like taking a step and bending your hip. So the most common uh, maneuver that will cause you to have a prosthetic hip dislocation is if you are adducting, flexing at the same time and internally rotating. That will cause you to have a hip dislocation. You can also do it with external rotation and flexion, but um, kind of this position. And that's why we see them usually in this position of comfort, right, after they've dislocated. 
there are some factors that make it more likely. Um, interestingly, if the patient had it not as an elective procedure, but uh, as a result of a hip fracture, and then they get a hip replacement, those are a little more likely to dislocate. If the surgeon uses a posterior approach um, to doing the surgery, that makes them more likely to dislocate. And then um, if you use a smaller, um, uh, if you use a smaller uh, femoral head, I might have said humeral early in this podcast, but we're talking about the femur. Um, if you use a smaller femoral head, then that is more likely to dislocate, although it gives them better range of motion. So it's kind of trade-off, right? Do you want better range of motion in your hip or do you want the chance of it popping out? Uh, just about any patient with a prosthesis in, if they say, I was walking, now my hip hurts, I can't walk. Uh, of course, we'll do an x-ray, but you almost don't need to do an x-ray. It's always going to be a uh, hip dislocation. Um, so this unfortunate soul um, will have to go for um, reduction in the OR. I don't have the follow-up, so I don't know if they were able to do closed reduction or if they had to do uh, open reduction. But my guess is, particularly because of that aspect of the acetabular cup migrating, probably had to have uh, open reduction performed. So... Yeah, so the take-home message is tell grandma not to bend and flex her hip too much, right? And uh, if, if a patient uh, comes in with a prosthetic hip and they're rotated and says it hurts and they can't walk, you might as well just get the propofol or the ketamine ready because we're going to have to try to put that thing back in. All right, that's it. Thanks. We are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education. Please help us out by rating us on iTunes, following us on social media, and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com.